Greetings, and it is so good to be able to worship with you. And in just a little while, we're going to share communion together. So you may want to grab some bread and a cup and be ready for communion. I want to welcome uh, Pastor Curtis Johnson from New Jerusalem Missionary Baptist Church in Sandusky. Did I name that right? You got it right. <laughs> yeah, it's so good to be with you, Curtis. Yeah. I just want to say I appreciate how much you love your congregation, the community, and I really appreciate your friendship. Thank you. It's my honor to be here today. Yeah. Well, we're going to hear from more from you in just a little while. Uh, Pastor Curtis and I are going to have a conversation, uh, which I think reflects what Jesus is calling for in the Beatitude we're looking at. And the Beatitude for this weekend is this. And the New Living Translation says, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. The New International Version says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. So before we have our conversation, uh, Pastor Curtis and I, I'd like to just establish a little bit of understanding related to this particular verse. Uh, Donald Carson says this, This beatitude does not hold out a blessing to the peaceful, nor to those who yearn for peace, but to the peacemaker. Can we start here that Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker? He's called the Prince of Peace, and that is because he has removed our sin. Uh, through his death and resurrection, he has made a way back to God by providing peace with God to anybody who believes in him. Uh, Jesus looks, looked at his followers, then he looks at you and me, and he says, peace be with you. Why? Because we can have peace with God, which we will uh, recognize in communion in just a few moments. Uh, now, as a church, we are called to be peacemakers. As individuals, we are called to be peacemakers, to follow the example of Jesus. How do we do that? Uh, one way is to share the gospel of Christ, how people can come into a relationship with God, have peace with God simply through faith in Jesus. That's important. But another way to be a peacemaker in a very practical way, everyday life, uh, where we work and live and play, is to work for peace in all relationships. And here's some ideas. To, we should find ways to ease tensions, to seek solutions, to encourage communication, to be quick to listen, to slow to speak, slow to anger, as James has, attempt to learn. When we do these things, when we work for peace, Jesus says we can be called children of God. This is what a child of God does. Now, Pastor Curtis, you and I both know that in the world today, there are many different types of relational tensions, very many opportunities to work for peace. There are relational tensions in the home, relational tensions in the neighborhood, relational tensions at work, relational tensions in our churches, relational tensions between nations. And uh, I don't think anything is more um, attention-grabbing, more urgent to talk about than the relational tensions that exist between people of different colors, of different ethnicities, brought to the forefront through the tragic death of George Floyd at the end of May. So I want to talk about that. We, we as a church have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to follow the example of Christ, to be peacemakers and I think one of the ways we can do that is by humbly listening to those of a different color. And you and I are a different, of a different color. And I'd like to, for us to have a conversation 
and show, I think, what it looks like to take a stab at listening and learning and hopefully arriving at some solutions and next steps. So I have some, I have some questions for you. You're the guy to ask. <laughs> but let me start here. Um, tell us a little bit about you and your family and your connections, your personal history with Sandusky. Well, thank you so much, Jay. I'm honored to be here. Uh, I, I, I've been here all my life. I am a Sandusky and through and through. Mm. Uh, i fortunate and blessed enough to serve uh, as lead pastor at the New Jerusalem Church here in Sandusky, which happens to be the church I grew up in. Mm. I was uh, pastored for 37 years by my godfather and pastor, Reverend Dr. Eddie Henry, who recently made his transition uh, to reward. Uh, I grew up in a, um, you know, a normal home. My mother and father were very active in church. I have two sisters. One is deceased and a brother um, and, and three charming nephews. And I just got a new niece on board uh, through marriage. And so it's been, it's been an awesome journey. I'm just honored to be here and to serve this community. Well, I, I just love your friendship and what you do for the community. Thank you. I want to get right into some questions. You know, when we hear the, the phrase Black Lives Matters, many people's minds go right to the organization itself. I want to be clear, that's not what we're talking about, the organization. What we're talking about is just simply the phrase Black Lives Matter. And sometimes when people hear that, they will respond with something like, well, all lives matter. And I'd like to know how you... Uh, would lovingly, truthfully, honestly respond to somebody who says that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think so many times in our haste to try to get our point across, we miss to sit, take a breath, look through a different lens and hear what someone else's point is. Mm. So it's, it's kind of silly to say all lives matter. We're well aware of that. Mm. I, I think with this nation has done for years is suppressed and oppressed a people. Um, and it's important that when we hear the term or the phrase Black Lives Matter, we hear the heart of what people are saying is, hey, take your knee off our neck. Mm. Take a moment to see our pain, uh, hear our frustration, see our anguish, and know that our lives matter just as much as someone else. If you say we hold these truths to be self-evident, come on, let's be at peace with one another. All men are created equal, and we happen to be men and women, boys and girls, just like everyone else. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, at the very beginning of Genesis, chapter 1, mm -hmm. all men, all yeah. mankind are created in the image of God. You, you go to the very end in Revelation, and you see all languages, ethnicity, ethnicities, colors surrounding the throne of Christ. Yeah. Uh, but between this day and that day, it's important that we understand all lives matter, including black lives. Absolutely. And that's why we're talking. Amen. Now, in a moment ago, you, you, you mentioned uh, t take your knee off our neck. And I get the, 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 uh, the idea there of what happened in Minneapolis. Mm. Um, I don't want anybody to think that you have a bad taste in your mouth toward all police. In fact, I know you're a really close friend of Chief John Orzak. Can you just say a Say a positive word about the police for a moment. Well, well, you know, hey, the police are put in place to protect and serve. And I think for the most part, a large majority of them literally took that oath very seriously. And they do their job uh, with integrity. They, they do their job with, with the passion and with the grace. Um, and so we're very fortunate here uh, in this area, especially Sandusky, to have an awesome police chief. That's my guy, uh, Chief Orzak. And we're excited about uh, so many new officers coming on and those who have done their job for an extended amount of time. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, sometimes, you know, those bad apples can get in there and give 
everybody in the bunch a bad name. So uh, to, to that point, I think we should highlight and spotlight those who are doing their jobs well mm. and appreciate them and affirm them, but then also be willing and strong enough to, to promote peace in a way that we can speak truth to power. And if there is a bad apple in there, that we pluck them out and don't allow them to protect and serve if they're really not protecting, if you will, but they're uh, doing things disrupting or disturbing the peace and harmony sure. in our community. Absolutely. In clergy, we've got bad apples. Yeah, we've got, and everywhere. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be looking at the, the story of the Good Samaritan in a little while. It was two clergymen who walked <laughs> right past the guy lying on the side of the road. So enough of that. Chris, I want to ask you, I, I don't know how sensitive of a question this is, but as a black person growing up living in a, a majority white world, what is, what is that like? Um, and, and again, this is my experience, so I'm not, of course, totally. the, uh, the voice of all uh, blacks. But one of the things that I've really noticed that's always been a challenge for me is sometimes in America, I'll speak to America, it's almost as if they treat blackness as a curse mm. or blackness as something is wrong with it or blackness is always uh, less than or inferior. Uh, I, I saw something, a quote, and it really blessed me. And I, I want to say, if only America loved blacks as much as it loved black culture, mm. you see. Sure. And, and, and so they, they love the music. They love what the athletes can do. Yeah. They love to hear all of the giftings and see the gifting and the creativity. But then it's like, at the end of the day, you, you can't come where we are because you're black. Mm. And so those challenges have have always disturbed me in my spirit, but it's, it's wonderful to meet people like yourself and the great staff here at the chapel who are committed to promoting peace and harmony and unity in our community. Mm. Curtis, maybe you've already uh, answered this. I wrote down a question. Um, if, it's, if it's the same thing, that's fine. Mm -hmm. but, but it's this, tell us something about being a black person that a white person probably does not know, but needs to know. Uh, that, that's an excellent question. I think one thing about it is being a black person is not an indictment, you know? And I always say, get to know people. Mm. It, it's so easy to stereotype people. Mm. It's so easy to judge a book by its cover, but get to know people, hear their mm. heart. Uh, you know, there's scripture that teaches, know those that labor amongst you. Mm. You know, we got to build relationship and rapport as human beings, especially in the body of Christ. So what I would say that, uh, that white Americans and white people uh, should know about, about black people is that we, we're just kind of, we're just are who we are. We're not trying to be anything or anyone else. Uh, and, 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 and my blackness doesn't take away from who you are as a believer, doesn't take away from who you are as a white person. Right. And, and, and you don't have to dislike a culture in order to appreciate or to respect it, you know? So I think that it's very important that people understand that not all black people are angry, not all black people are mad at them, not all black people are lazy. Mm. Uh, there's some awesome, awesome people who would, you would be blessed just to have a relationship with. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm digging down here. A couple of uh, questions that I think are, could be sensitive, hard, I don't know. But just a phrase that I hear, that we hear, that's on the news, is, is this idea of systemic racism or mm -hmm. institutional racism. Mm -hmm. how, how would you define that or how would you explain that? 
Well, systemic and institutional racism speaks to the fact that things that are in place almost literally with the intention to oppress or to keep down or to promote a racist agenda. And so when we look at systemic racism, we, we look uh, even down through the years through school mm -hmm. systems, uh, you, you know, even from days of segregation where white schools would get the new books and then black schools would get the hand-me-down books. And so now we're like, oh, well, there's integration of schools. But then we look at where the funding goes and how schools have a lot more money in this area than they do in this area. And oftentimes it's where people of color are. And so we see with the awesome movement of I Promise, LeBron James started his own school to try to bring some balance to these types of things. When you look at the judicial system, you know, when you look at uh, the institutionalized way that uh, constantly uh, black men are, are, are being uh, oppressed and oftentimes receiving larger and longer sentences than maybe whites or others who do the exact same crime. Mm -hmm. This is institutionalized racism and it's in so many areas that we're almost desensitized to it because mm -hmm. we're so used to it. Yeah. I have to be honest, I, if, if, I, if zero to 10 was the score, I would have gotten a zero on understanding Jim Crow laws, redlining, um, what Andrew Johnson did after he came into power, after <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. I mean, there's on and on and yeah. on, um, but I'm trying to learn. It's a, white privilege is another phrase that is um, thrown around. How, how do you explain that or talk about that? You know, uh, there's you, some confusion there. That's absolutely, why. because I think people, especially white people, when they hear the term white privilege, they instantly get offended. Yeah. Like, what do you mean I'm privileged? I work hard. I've I put in my time. I've done this. I wouldn't educate myself. And, and that's all fine and dandy. White privilege does not suggest that your life was easy as a white person. Mm. White privilege suggests that your life was not made harder because you were a white person. Okay. And that's what has happened to blacks in America. Just by being black, you're already got stuff stacked against give, you. Give an example of where you've experienced white privilege on your own. Uh, well, you know, um, we can go as simple as we can go as simple as entering to a store. I won't call any names for the sake of sure. protecting and honoring the ministry, but going into certain stores, say you need to have a card or identification or membership to be a part of it. Uh, you know, that could be a group of whites. They can walk straight in. Don't even ask any questions. Blacks show up. Can, can I see your card? Mm. Mm. <laughs> it, it's, it's automatic. Yeah. Uh, just being followed in expensive stores. I, I remember uh, in my early teens going to a, a certain store. Again, I won't use it, uh, but they're kind of high end, have nice things in there. I go in there to look for an outfit to wear to this event I was going to. And literally the lady followed me around that store mm. the entire time. I'm like, you know, racial profiling, mm -hmm. you know, all of these things, it, it, it's very common practice. Yeah. So, so these are things that nine times out of 10 whites don't have to deal with. And it's a privileged behavior. Sometimes you didn't ask for it. Mm -hmm. It's just in the DNA of our nature. Got it. Got it. In the nation. Yeah. I have never been a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, my parents never told off-color jokes, and neither have I. I I've had uh, black friends, and I've worked with uh, black people. Um, so I don't consider myself a racist, and I would think many people could say the same thing. But, but are there indicators, are there maybe some subtle evidences that perhaps there's more racism within me than what I would care to think or, or 
hope for. Yeah. You know, what I always share with people and even with myself, I always try to think of the things that come up without being uh, deserving. So whether it's a stereotype, you know, oftentimes we, we believe certain things about people just because that's what we heard. Mm. So we, we might have stereotypes in us. And so we believe that all people of this color or this hue are this way, or they do this, or they do that, or they don't do that. Uh, there's undercurrent stuff. So for example, I'll give you a classic example that you see a, a black person and then you automatically start speaking slang to them, mm. thinking that that's their love language, if you will. Why are you speaking slang to them? Mm. If I were white, would you start talking to me like that? Mm. You know, and we do things like that. We're oftentimes not meaning any harm, but it's the undertone, underlying things that kind of show there's little things in there. I'll give you another example. Mm. Some of us really struggle with, say our child brought home uh, someone outside of their race and they're dating them. Mm. How does that move in your heart? How does that disturb your spirit? Or how does that disturb your peace, if you will? Mm. Why does that bother you to such a degree as yeah. a believer, as a person? Sure. So those are just a few. Thank you. Yeah. There's an author named Austin Channing Brown. She grew up here in Northern Ohio. She wrote a really good book called I'm Still Here. I read it uh, very quickly in the last month. But it, and she's a black woman. And in there she says that um, after she gives talks, she'll have white people come up to her and confess their past racist views, thoughts, etc. And fi eventually, finally, she just started saying to them, well, what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. As we think about being peacemakers, workers for peace, give, give me an idea of what we can do uh, about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely, Pastor. And I, I think that's very powerful and profound. The key word you said, workers for peace, you have to work towards peace. You have to resolve in your heart that this is, this is a desire that I want to flow in peace and harmony and unity. Uh, I, we just had a few messages at our church. And, and one of the things that I shared with the people, I said, you know what? Our differences make us different, mm. but our differences don't have to divide us. Mm. Why do we make race and denominationalism such big deals. Mm. At the end of the day, we ought to strive for peace. We ought to strive for ways to find out what is our greatest common factor. And if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can come to the agreement that, hey, he's Lord, you know? So it doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter uh, what, what your favorite team is and what you like to, it doesn't matter if how you vote or what you, no, listen, Let's, let's, let's get rid of all of those things that really don't matter anyway. Mm. And when the rubber meets the road, let's come on the fact that we're all human beings. Mm. We're all Americans. And come on, even further, we're all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And these ought to be things that ought to pu push us towards and help us promote peace. Amen. Thank you for bringing it back to Christ. Yeah. And we want to move toward a time of remembering his death through communion. We're going to do that together. Amen. I think of one of the great stories of racism in the Bible, and that is the story of the, the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10. Here you have this Jewish man lying on the side of the road, half dead. A couple of clergy guys walk right on by, but here comes a Samaritan. And back then the Samaritans hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Samaritans. There was tremendous racism back there. But then this Samaritan stoops down, scoops this man up, and loves him. And the point of the story is to, sh Jesus tells the story to show what love crossing boundaries really looks like. And then he says, go and do likewise. Yeah. 
But I think the deeper question is why go and do likewise? And I think it's because Jesus is the ultimate good Samaritan. He is the one who came and stooped down and scooped us up and died on the cross for our sins, rose again, established peace with God. And it's important to remember that as we talk about being peacemakers, working for peace, Jesus is our model. So we can also cross over to the other side of the road, stoop down and scoop someone up and love them, crossing boundaries. And so we're about to um, take the bread and the cup and um, really grateful for this opportunity to do it with you. Amen. And uh, you celebrate communion in your church. We do it here. And I want to just take the, for those of you watching from wherever you are, I just encourage you to take the bread and, and to hold it in your hand. And these are symbols. Uh, these are symbols that point to something that happened at a place and time when Jesus hung on the cross. But the night before he was betrayed, the night he was betrayed, he said, this bread represents my body, broken for you. Whenever you eat this bread, remember me. Remember what's been done for you. Remember that God has done for you through Christ what you could never do for yourself. Peace with God. Let's eat it together. Amen. Likewise, after that same manner, he also took the cup. He said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, the blood shed for many for the remission of sins, that we too could have peace with God. Mm. And they all did drink together. Let's drink. Amen. You know, it's meaningful doing that with you. I think of... Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, There is no longer Jew or a Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Yeah. And Pastor, you and I are one in Christ Jesus. Man. All those who are watching, uh, just really grateful to be able to remember together until Man. the Lord Jesus comes. Man. As a part of this series, the Beatitude series, we are, are, are uh, issuing the Be the Light Challenge. You know, there's eight eight beatitudes followed by be the light. We don't want to just be blessed. We also want to be a blessing. So here's an idea. Here's a challenge for this week. Practice presence. A friend of mine, a, another black pastor friend said, practice presence with a person of color. So maybe a friend, a coworker, or a neighbor, just to sit with them. And as you sit with them, ask questions. And listen, very much like what you and I just did. And may, maybe you don't have a friend of a different color, then I would encourage you to just start learning. Grab a book. I mentioned the book, I'm Still Here. There are many other good books out there. Go to YouTube, learn about the Tulsa uh, Black Wall Street, which I did not know about until pastor told me about it. Amazing. Or about redlining or about the Jim Crow laws. Just begin to learn or go to the web. So much out there. Thank you, Pastor, for being here. Thank you for having me. So good to be My with honor. you. Yeah. Thank you all. Good to worship with you. Let me pray. God, thank you now for this time to come together and be reminded of your great grace expressed to us. Help us to be expressions of that grace to those around us. 
everyone. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.